welcome to our podcast, The Ups and Downs of a Small Business Owner, where we hope to show you exactly what it's like to grow a business. So I'm here today with Rachel Collar, who's the HR Director, Stroke Rockstar, mm. owner, charity trustee, a NED, and just someone who's really open and honest is the impression I got. Is that how you would describe yourself? Oh yeah, I'd take that definitely. I'll have all of that and more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that captures me really nicely. Thank you. Oh, good. So what, what made you start the business? What was the dream when you started out? Gosh, I don't think I had a dream because I didn't expect 18 months ago or two years ago to be sat here now speaking to you or even running my own business. So it all started just literally over two years ago. My husband had a heart attack during COVID. Touch wood, he's doing fine now. He went to hospital. Thank goodness for the NHS looking after him. He's fighting fit. But it really triggered this whole journey around what was my purpose? What was life about? What, was, what did my career have in hold for me? What did life have in hold for me? Mm. And it really set me off in this kind of soul searching of what was my purpose. And so... So what was life like at that time for you? God, incredibly stressful. I think, you know, I was the, the head of HR for a large automotive business. So under-resourced, the usual struggles you get in the corporate world and really, really stressful. And then obviously my husband being at home for recovery for a couple of months... It was just, I couldn't find that right balance of Mm. the commitment to work, the commitment to home life, being there for my husband. And I just, just found the whole thing just all starting to clash and just couldn't see the wood for the trees that how were we going to get out of this and so how... was that the first time that had occurred to you was everything okay until that point oh gosh no I think that during Covid I think for everybody it was a challenging time and I think especially being in HR mm-hmm. um, you're the centre of everything I think I became the business continuity expert the health and safety expert mm-hmm. I tried right. to think how many two metres I had to measure everywhere mm-hmm. internal comms HR you name it, everything was kind of falling on my lap. And I just think I was probably on that road to probably a burnout, if I'm truthful, when I look back on it now. And I think that was just then really the straw that broke the camel's back of, I've got to do something differently. Okay, but until that point, you just loved your career in Um, HR, in the corporate world? and Yeah, absolutely. I've been, I did my degree in HR. I went right into a HR graduate programme. And I've been in HR for 23 years. So I knew nothing different. So I know... And I still love what I do. I'm like a stick of rock of HR. But I just don't... I just wanted to do it in a different way. And it was kind of exploring how was I going to do that in a different way. Mm. So that's when I then kind of did a lot of research, listened to loads of podcasts, watched lots of webinars, read self-help books, asked people who had done it and been successful, people that hadn't, friends, family, strangers, you name it, thinking, oh, I'll get these two camps. One half saying, yes, do it, live your dream. The other half going, oh, no, it's a bit scary, leaving the corporate world, your pension, your benefits, your holidays. But not one person said stay. Everyone, even those that know me quite well, who are probably quite cautious themselves, not risk takers, even Mm. they were saying, do it. What have you got to lose? Give it a try. If it doesn't work out, then, you know, you could go back to the corporate world. And I just thought, yeah, I don't want to live a life of regrets. I don't always want to think, what if? Because... I'd for many many years always wanted to run my own HR consultancy okay so just something always in the back of your mind absolutely but I always thought I just didn't have the confidence I thought was 10 Mm. years enough in HR was 15 years enough was 20 years enough always thinking why would they buy from me have I got enough experience so real confidence absolutely and I still I still suffer from that today and I think when people sort of meet me they'll say oh you're really confident you do this you do that my god you know if I've been to networking event you know a couple Mm. in a day I'm absolutely knackered the following day I just I have to kind of build up so much energy for those sorts of things that it's not it's not my natural place it's not the world I've come from so I have to find those behaviors that don't come necessarily natural to Mm. me uh, because I'm operating in a very different world 18 months later so are you enjoying those different things pushing yourself out of your comfort zone absolutely I think for me I've learned more in 18 months and grown both personally and professionally than I have probably my whole HR career or certainly the last five years I would say I felt I was getting stale because I can do the HR with my eyes closed right but learning things 
about marketing, sales, and networking. Yeah. I mean, that's like an underground movement I never knew existed. Yeah. <laughs> so all these things I've uncovered and I've learned so much along the way and I learn every day and it might be something really small, really little. You know, I want to set myself my goal of doing my own website. Okay. That can't be hard. I can use WordPress. It took me half a day just to create a page that said website under construction. Yeah. But all of those things, are I need to know the basics. So when yeah. someone talks to me about you know a website and SEO and Google Analytics mm. I now understand it because I've had a little dabble so I like to know everything and at least the basics so an expert yeah. will talk to you you understand it so that's been it's been an amazing part of the journey just learning constantly and careers that people have jobs mm. that people have that I didn't even know could exist mm. and everyone has a journey and that's yeah. the bit I love learning about yeah and I think there's something about choosing to do those roles so I think for me if in my corporate role if someone had said to me right Catherine you need to go out networking now I said absolutely not I'm not doing that but actually also that's still my default it's a bit different now for my own business and actually you're right I like pushing myself but that's my decision to do that rather than someone else telling me yeah and I think you put hit the nail on the head it's the there's someone telling you or actually yeah. you're doing that for your own business yeah. so yeah I'd never been to a networking event in the corporate world at all I might have been to a couple of like professional body events yeah. where there's an expert speaker or something like that mm. but actually selling what you do mm. is very very different and if you don't do it no one's going to do it no. and you know suddenly you are you are your brand you're your business and yeah. I can bore you to tears and everything HR but suddenly mm. how do I now talk to somebody who maybe is starting up and thinking about hiring people mm. or somebody that you know had a business established for a long time got quite an established team think they're the expert and know HR better than you yeah. so it's just trying to adapt your message along the way and also I don't know if you felt the same but when you're a smaller business before you could get you know the corporate name actually would just open doors for you mm-hmm. but when you're talking to other small business owners yeah it's it's HR and your knowledge but that isn't what they're buying they're, they're buying into you and your personality mm-hmm. so I know I I definitely had a fear of rejection or oh, crikey what if people don't even like me or don't want to work with me it suddenly feels a lot more personal yeah it does and I've even through my corporate career I've always thought you know we're not everyone's cup of tea mm. and I know there's you know there's people I don't particularly like I'm not going to mention them on the podcast of course but <laughs> afterwards yeah afterwards, <laughs> definitely but I think for me it's you know people buy from people that's constantly hammered home to me on this journey yeah. and I think for me you either you love me or you hate me and ultimately I know I'm good at what I do yeah. I've got the credibility from my corporate career but mm. I almost felt at the beginning that didn't count for anything. Mm. I felt almost if I had to start from scratch again mm. and build that brand around me as an individual. Yes. I didn't have to do that in the corporate world. It no. just If I had the experience, I had the qualifications, you kind of got the job. Yeah. But now having to kind of really demonstrate your return and investment and all of that stuff to go with it, mm. a very, very different space. It's different, but somehow it's strangely more satisfying, isn't it? Because when you do deliver, you know... It's because of you. Mm. And the thing that's really different, in the corporate world, you are either recruited to the organisation or a managing director or your boss inherits you mm. uh, because of the previous incumbent hired you, so you might not get on with them. But in, And so HR is you're, you're told what to do. Whereas in this world now, I feel people come to me because they want my help. Yeah. So rather than, oh, well, you're, it's you telling us how to do everything again, yeah. they're actually seeking you out because they want to do something quite proactive. Yeah. And so I, I carefully select my clients, I would say, yeah. because if you generally care about your people, absolutely, I want to work with you. Yeah. If you just want to hire and fire all day long, I'm not the HR consultant for you. No, no. And it's a lot more rewarding, isn't it? If you can work with people that you really like, mm. suddenly it doesn't feel so much like work. It's it? almost like, would I want to work for this client? Mm. And that's the kind of, and absolutely, I'd love to work with them. They're mm. an awesome employee. They really care about their people. They mm. want to see them grow, develop, thrive, do really well. 
and that really really drives me in what I do mm. rather than a oh you know these people just a waste of time they don't bother they don't put the effort in we don't do this we do the statutory minimum we pay the barest minimum we can get away with mm. I've been there and done that in the corporate world in yeah. the hiring fire you know I've worked some real beasts of companies many many years ago I don't want to work with businesses like that again and mm. there's definitely a space for them and you know there's consultants that can support them in that journey but mm. me it's definitely about how can I help you get the right people, keep them, and make sure they grow, develop, and, and help your business ultimately to fr- survive and thrive, really, is what I'm looking yeah. to help businesses do. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's... I was definitely... David and I were both definitely like that when we started. We had to know... There were loads of areas that we had no expertise in, like you were saying, the marketing, the, the website design although David is a lot better than I am, but there was a need for us to to want to do everything ourselves, to, to understand it. And now actually it's quite liberating to say, okay, we, we kind of know a bit, we know enough, but we're not experts in that. We'd be much better off getting someone mm. else to do it. But then you're kind of then assembling like your team or someone said to me, you're creating your village. Mm. So although I don't, you know, we don't work in, we don't need to have an IT department or a marketing department, or an HR department but we can select the people that we want to work with to create this bigger team yeah and it's like a a team of experts where you're all on the same journey and I guess we kind of do that in a finance way and and you do that in a HR way for other companies I like the village analogy I give it mine is the my tribe and absolutely surrounding people that if I if I was back in my corporate world where is my marketing department, my IT, all those things you say, that little black book of where are the experts I reach out to because I know bare minimum to kind of just get me by, but actually knowing, and like you say, it is quite liberating then to be able to hand over to those experts because you've built that basic knowledge and now you've kind of got to know people through networking and Mm. or referrals that people have made to you that you start to build that kind of little, that team, that tribe around you, which is really nice because you can... You know, I've taken time to cherry pick, but yes. because ultimately yeah. I don't want to sur- surround myself with kind of that negativity that no. some people can and pull you down quite quickly. Yeah. And in this world, it can be quite isolating at times. I mean, a couple mm. of weeks ago, I think I hadn't been out on networking or really spoken to anybody outside mm. of my house for about three weeks. Yeah. And I was really feeling it at that yes. point of thinking, yeah. I actually really need to speak to some other human beings and make some yeah. connections. But I'd gone into kind of hermit mode. Yeah. And I do that every so often because I'm studying as well at the moment as well. So it's mm. kind of head down, cracking on. But that realisation of a, oh my God, I've not spoken to anybody. Yeah, it's scary actually, isn't it? It is. And, yeah. you can, and that's why networking, even if it for me is just going on like a net virtual event for an yes. hour just to get that social interaction, chatting to other people, you mm. always learn something yes. and people will share similar experiences that you can absolutely relate to. Yeah, yeah. We had that in COVID. So we we managed to work, I think we were only a team of three then. We could work from home, mm. but gosh, very quickly. It's amazing, even though through all the technology and you say, oh, we can WhatsApp, we can do Zoom calls, we can talk on the phone. It's not the same. No, you know, I wouldn't do a Zoom call to say, "Oh, did you did you watch I'm a Celebrity last night?" (laughs) You know, just the little silly things that you talk about, or just noticing you don't quite look yourself you know is everything okay it's those water cooler moments I think they're the things I really missed of the yeah having those kind of chats just generally about what's going on out in the world what what's from telly the night before but also for me when you're managing a team that they even though they might necessarily be talking to each other and they're working away they can hear things that are going on and conversations and oh yeah I spoke to that manager earlier oh yes they came to see us about xyz yeah and it's that kind of that jigsaw element of kind of putting the pieces together mm. and especially for me when you've got new people in the team mm. as well of they're learning they're developing they're growing and yes. becoming part of that culture the organization the team yeah. and I've, I've definitely found since running my own business that mm. working with SMEs that most of the clients I work with actually very few to actually hybrid majority of them want employees in the office all the time purely because one you're a small organization yeah. but that learning opportunity that um, social element, being together, supporting yeah. one another, yeah. that's become really important. But that's been really hard for me when I've been trying to recruit for these clients that okay. candidates, most of them don't want that. They want hybrid, they want the flexibility. And that's been yeah. really hard convincing yeah. some SMEs that 
you're going to have to think slightly different about this because yeah. it almost will cut out such a chunk of the candidate market if I turn around and say to a, especially a younger candidate, oh, you're going to have to be in the office Monday to Friday, nine till five. Yeah. It completely puts them off straight away. Okay. Yeah, we found that to a certain extent when we were hiring recently. So we started off saying, look, at least for the first three months, we need you in the mm. office all the time just to give you as much input as possible. After that, sure, we can work flexibly. But in reality, we don't want you working from home more than one day a week. Mm. Um, And most of them, I guess because we were really upfront with it, we didn't have the people like, oh, actually, no, I only want to work from home. But most of them were like, actually, yeah, that that sounds good. Just to, I mean, they could have any day off they wanted if there's a reason to be at home. But really difficult to have a team culture and a feeling of one team when you're remotely and, and organisations that do it amazing I don't quite know how they do it mm. we couldn't we yeah. couldn't manage to make it work yeah. and, and I we sp- didn't enjoy it yeah and either. I only spoke to a candidate yesterday who had gone to work for an organisation where everybody's remote working so mm. they really really struggled with I'm trying to learn I need to know who can do this to help me I need this report for that but I don't know because everybody works from home I don't know who does what or who to ask and that's really difficult yeah. and she's absolutely desperately trying to look for a job where she can be in the office majority of the time mm. so there are the candidates out there definitely but it's a, it's constantly a shifting landscape of different things going on to, yes. for an employer to kind of really balance the kind of demands of candidates versus what's best for their business and their culture and some places it works really well the, the yeah. fully remote working and, yeah. but typically I see that in much much larger organisations where okay. they've got some of the, the resources but definitely the SME community I support is definitely either hybrid but like you say probably maybe only one two days maximum maybe a week mm. but definitely wanting that sense of a I suppose it's more that family element feel yes. the paternal culture is definitely much more stronger and prevalent I think in the SME world yes yeah so, so going back to when you wanted to start the business, mm-hmm. and you said no one said anything negatively, no. but did you? Who did you feel the support from? Who was? Did your your husband was he fully supportive, or did he have any concerns? No, absolutely. He was. If he'd said no, don't do it, mm. I would never have done it no, because okay. of what he'd been through and everything. And I know it, it would. It was going to for some time probably put some added pressure on our finances and you know the amount of work I'd have to put in a lot more hours initially up front and so I went in with eyes fully wide open and he absolutely supported it you know if that's what I wanted to do he knew it was always a dream that I had and was going to be coming at some point we just didn't know it was going to be quite that soon so I had his support 100% and I think even you know my HR consultant community that I I've known colleagues that had made that leap into consultancy mm. spoke to them got the warts and all mm. uh, and you know kind of said you know well do you think I've got the right experience will I be able to do xyz found a real lot of support from that community mm. but I just think in general everyone I spoke to had pros and cons of everything of how yeah. to do it but in the main I think everyone was just like you've got to do it you've had that it took a life-changing event to make it happen yes, and yeah. I wouldn't want another one to make me do something differently again so no. I just thought ultimately and I someone asked me I was at a startup event I don't know a couple of months ago and someone in the audience asked me you know did I if they all failed did I have a plan b yeah and I said yeah at the time my plan b was if it all went completely wrong I won't use the phrase that I got in my mind <laughs> but ultimately I would go back to the corporate world yeah but now I don't have a plan B because you would take me kicking and screaming back into the corporate world. I think now having a taste of, you know, it's not all you know, rose-tinted glasses. It's not all brilliant and wonderful no. all of the time. No. But I just have s- such a different found freedom yeah. and ability to be creative, say no to things I want to say no to, say yes. yes to things I'm really excited about, try things that I would never, ever got the chance to try in the corporate world. Never done a podcast in the corporate world. Probably never <laughs> would do. And I just think to myself, I just don't know if I could go back no. to that world that... You know, I'd been loyal to for, I mean, no, kind of 30 years, but 23 of those in HR. I just feel that I have found, I found my calling and it just, it's taken me a while to, to find me. Yeah. And I think you've become unemployable, actually. Everyone says that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I could go back now. Yeah. Yeah. And I think obviously the, probably the longer you're away from it, the harder that would, yeah. would become. Ultimately, I'd never, you know, it's there as a comfort blanket if mm. ever I got into a situation where, 
I would have to go back. Yeah, but you could. I'd be going back to something very, very different. Yeah. I wouldn't go back to what I'd done before. I would look for something very different from employers in terms of values and, mm-hmm. and all of those things. But, you know, I'd probably niche in something. I probably wouldn't do, you know, or go into a senior position. I'd probably do something part-time and, and quite different. But mm. that's not going to happen. No. No, <laughs> good. So did you give, when you first started out, did you give yourself a time span and say, right, I'm going to give myself... X amount of time, and if I don't see any movement, then I'm going to have to call it a day. Yeah, and that was for me was like right one year. I've got to see if I can make things happen and work in one year. Yeah. Obviously, I know that wasn't necessarily realistic at the time, but the first four months, I was like, right, not going to stress about getting clients. I want to get my head around this, learning to know how I run a business networked my socks off for about four months. Okay. I'm absolutely exhausted by the end of it by kind of the Christmas, yeah. and I just thought. And then start to see things really turn around. Mm. And I've only had that one moment of a, oh my God, what have I done? Mm. Was not, it was the first Christmas. So after the first four months, I started in September, that December, Mm. I kind of woke up over that Christmas period and thought, oh my God, what have I done? Mm. Have I done the right thing? Was it all a quick rash decision? Do I go back to the corporate world? And and that soon went. I think it literally lasted a day. And I haven't had that since because I think it was that still I'd learned so much in four months I kind of almost exhausted myself with networking that I kind of thought I can't continue to do that for another four months but how do I kind of get the best from it over the next kind of year moving forward that's so funny we had exactly the same thing at four months and I remember sitting down with David and going we either have to take out some finance Mm. or we just jack this in do do we believe that we've got a business that is going to survive or that we want to work for and I think we almost needed to come to that crunch point and both of us said yeah absolutely we're carrying on because we know this is going to work and we're really enjoying it mm. and we never asked that question again yeah so I hope I know I have them and I hope that stays stays mm. the same but just because I just think it's just opened up so many opportunities that I would just hate to turn my back on any of that Mm -hmm. and for me you just you find other ways to be creative find different ways of of what you're doing how you can deliver that differently to different clients you know there's a lot of customization that that I do in particular Mm -hmm. to support them you know businesses on their their journey and what that looks like so yeah Mm -hmm. hopefully maybe we've been it's a four-month itch maybe and hopefully I won't have another (laughs) one of them maybe it's a phenomenon yeah (laughs) I don't know we might start something (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think at that point, kind of your, certainly for us, like the initial excitement yeah. was kind of the reality of, oh, okay, actually we have got bills to pay here. What are we going yeah. to do? But, but sometimes you just need that type of motivation. If it was too easy, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't work that hard. Yeah, agree with you completely. And I think that's why that my, that crunch point with me was it was Christmas. So it was kind of down tools. It was really quiet, and that mm. was me just thinking oh my god I've finally stopped from all this you know four months of madness a whirlwind really long hours suddenly Mm. just stopped and thought oh my god have I done the right thing but uh, yeah hopefully that was just the one-off yeah yeah I I definitely think it is and it's that's human nature if you didn't ask those type of questions then you're not really tuned into what you're doing I don't think yeah I agree completely so so HR company how did you go around differentiating yourself and making a brand that was distinctive from any other HR company? Gosh, well, I think it's going to have to start with the name, House of HR, H-A-U-S, get that in there quick. And loads of people say to me, oh, yeah, why have you got it spelt like that? Well, because one, it took me, that was the fun bit. I think when I started out, well, I'd, I'd resigned from my position. I was on a three-month notice. So in the background, I think, right, what can I call my business? So, you know, you'd look at the dot-com, I'd go on Companies House, all the ideas I'd come up with, either they'd, you know, the website had gone, it'd been registered at Companies House, and I just thought, I just don't know what to call the business. Mm. So I ended up thinking, oh, House of HR, but it's about H-A-U-S-E. A Belgium company got the dot-com. So I thought, oh God, that's another idea gone. And literally a couple of days later, I'd been on a walk listening to a podcast and there was some discussion around kind of Lady Gaga and her successful makeup empire, the House of Laboratories, spelled like H-A-U-S, and the House of Gaga. And I thought, oh, never thought of that, H-A-U-S, 
quickly scuttled back home, went on uh, .com, it hadn't gone, went on Company's House, hadn't gone, but there was loads of House of Somethings about HAUS, and I thought, oh, might be onto something here. And the idea is, my background, I've always been a HR generalist, so that's the whole employee life cycle, right, from recruiting people, getting them in, training, developing, supporting, looking after them, their well-being, their engagement, right to kind of booting them out the other end Mm -hmm. the bit we don't talk about too often (laughs) the negative sides of HR that comes with all of that but I decided that you know everything was under one roof Mm. that I wouldn't have to field you out to recruitment consultant to a training consultant to a development consultant I'd be able to do that myself because I've had that experience for 23 years and ultimately what I could offer you would be if you didn't want the whole package you could just have rooms. So if you just want help with well-being, if you just want help with recruitment, you just want help with development. Mm. So the concept came around with house, rooms, the foundations that you need to have in place, you know, your contract, your employee handbook. And that's how the brand kind of came around. And differentiate myself is I'm pretty straight talking. I say it as it is. Sometimes you don't want to necessarily hear what that is, but I'm going to tell you. And I've never, ever, even in my corporate world, I'd never say to you, you've got to do it like this. I would be saying, look, what do you want to achieve as an outcome? Mm. Okay, let's see the ways we can get you there. Mm. If you're high risk, absolutely you can do X, but it could cost you quite a lot. Mm. Or we could go Y, we could go Z, the least risk, the least Mm. risk averse, the least cost implication of doing it. Mm. But it's going to be a long, slow, painful journey. Mm. Because nine times out of 10 it's usually a company saying to you I want to get rid of somebody right but they probably spend about an hour explaining to you that's what you know in a roundabout way it's like just tell me up front let's just be straight talking about it so I can give you the advice based on you know options and choices available to you but Mm. getting to know the business the culture your appetite for risk and those Mm. sorts of things so I can almost second guess which is the best thing for you to do and often I get businesses say I really don't know what to do and I say look if it's my business I would do X, and this is the reasons why I would do X. And then, obviously, as I started to kind of unravel my character, that I'd kept really boxed in the I was corporate say, world. It's not something you can really do in corporate. Is Definitely it? not. And obviously, I'm quite heavily tattooed. So I recently kind of did posts about it, wrote a blog about it, yeah. and people that had worked for me for years, known me for years, didn't even know I had any tattoos right. because I'd really kept that all uncovered. So then I started playing on around purpose. on purpose. Yeah, on purpose. I think okay. it was for me. I think being in HR and starting out many, many years ago, you know, dress codes are really quite mm. archaic. Mm. Uh, even tattoos probably weren't even mentioned in them then because they weren't <laughs> as popular as they are today. No. And I think I'd come to a position you know, where you're almost kind of the internal police in an organisation. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, I need to lead by example, or I better mm-hmm. not show that I've got any tattoos. And and I knew based on some some people's so I started getting loads of stuff done on my back because my theory was I could cover it up you wouldn't see it but I couldn't see it I couldn't enjoy it so that's that's why I've got some really random tattoos on my back because I just started (laughs) the collection grew and started from there and I just think it became the more senior I got I think the more conscious I became and the more I covered up uh, and in particular I mean I've got a full sleeve I've got a chest tattoo and that for some people is quite oh a bit out there you know I get yeah, comments about oh you know you're out of prison break but for me so I've always covered up in the commercial world I still cover up a lot in this world still a lot of people don't necessarily know yeah. a summer networking event you might see a little peek but it's still not going to be in your face over it because I'm not even like that outside of work I'm okay. not going to you know run around in scantily clad clothes not want to make people ever feel ill and sick but you know I'm not I'm still very professional in that output but yeah. it's been able to talk and share about these things and the thing was is when I did a LinkedIn post recently I had people in the HR profession privately message me around you know it was really great for you to write that and I feel that I can't do it for these reasons they were people that understood why I'd done what I'd done when I think there was other people that couldn't get it that why had you covered up for so long but definitely my profession could kind of appreciate why I'd been like that but they didn't put a public post no exactly because Mm. your colleagues are going to see what you're writing about they've not they're not confident to write it it is and I think yeah and I think for me it was it was a really sad state of affairs that people had to private message me because they felt they couldn't do that so I almost felt like I'd had my wings clipped for so long and now it was like 
actually, I can write about what I want without the corporate social media police coming down on me like a ton of bricks because that doesn't reflect the corporate brand. And ultimately, if you don't want to buy my HR services because I've got tattoos, because I choose to wear my art rather than hanging on a wall, then hey, you know, there's there's much more to life and worry about than than that. Uh, But then I started playing around on LinkedIn, you know. I, I joke around that I'm a HR rock star. I don't take myself seriously. If people think, oh God, you know, she's above herself and all that. Seriously, it's kind of a bit of a, it's kind of a bit of a poke in the face. Absolutely not. You do not want to hear me sing at all. I love music. I love rock music. I love grunge. I really, really love my music. And I just thought the tattoos and that. And then people started saying to me, oh, why are you you not the HR rock star anymore? And I thought, oh, because of a comment somebody made, but that's how I remember you. And it's like, okay, yeah. I'll add it back on. And yeah. it's just stuck. And so yeah. I decided, right, I'm going to get the, do- the .co.uk. I'm going to make sure that oh, if I want to milk it, I can milk okay. it. Um, so I'm just stuck it's with it. It's definitely memorable, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think yeah. it's just, and I did, and I should really remember his name, but I don't. So shoot me down for not remembering. Mm-hmm. But a number of years ago, there is a, a guy out in the US is all about, you know, recruiting your rock stars. Now, some people really hate that phrase, a bit cliche. But I kind of, it is about, you know, who are those stars in your business? Who are the people that you kind of want to grow and develop? And that's how I kind of thought, oh, that's kind of the rock star element I had in my mind. And I thought, let's just bung HR on on the front of it as well. So, But now I have a bit of of fun with it along the way. And I hopefully, it shows people that I don't take myself too seriously. And again, hopefully loads of HR people aren't going to listen to this from the corporate world. But (laughs) HR people can be really quite boring. I think it's hard, isn't it, in it HR? Is. Like, because you've got to. There's there's rules that you have to follow, isn't yeah, there? Yeah. Um, and I th- and I think you get kind of bogged down in you know being that in, that internal police function of yeah. kind of almost kind of be the party poopers the because the policy. Yeah, the fun police. The, the fun police. Yeah, yeah, I've been told I'm the fun police. The policy says this. The law says this. You can't do that. You can't do that. Yeah. Absolutely, you can do it, but yeah. as long as you set the risks associated to it, and I think that's where my approach will be. For some people, quite different. They're probably used to somebody telling them, you must do it like that. And I'm more of a, yeah, you can do it like that if you want, but there's other ways of doing it. And let's look at some different options for you. And it definitely depends on the culture of your organisation. One size doesn't fit all. No, and I think there's a completely different emphasis for an SME you know you're nothing without your people mm. that they're so so much more important than in a corporate I definitely think. you're not and that's the thing I think in the corporate you'll easily become a number yeah and I think and sometimes when I'm talking to candidates about you know trying to help an SME recruit and they've always worked in the corporate world I'll say to them look if you want to be a number and just be hidden and not be noticed that you're not in and you're taking a sickie yeah. then it's not the world for you no. if you want an organisation that's going to care about you you get to probably have coffee and chat with the MD and the business owner yeah. every day they get to know yeah. you go on social events with them you know you really feel part of that family yeah. then it's a great environment for you and I actually think that even SMEs make a real effort to develop people yeah. to think about succession planning because ultimately you can't keep hiring people in all the time and actually no. you've got the talent in house how can you grow and develop them yeah. to future proof your business yeah. so I definitely think SMEs are really attuned to that a lot more the corporate world thinks they are they say it because it's a tick box exercise but I think the reality yeah. SMEs are better at doing that yeah and the, the main difference for me was just trying to even working in other small companies being able to affect change mm. was so important to me. oh gosh yeah and a good example of that yeah real nail on the head here that when I wanted to recruit for an organization re- recruit in my last corporate role I'd have to go through eight layers of approval right mm. up to board in the other country where headquarters was based and that could take several months. Oh my goodness. I'd be like, well, wait there a minute. The person left two months ago. We've now got to go through the recruitment process. That person will be on a notice period. By the time they come in, we onboard them, train them, they become effective. Mm. The time, just you're looking well over a year before yeah. things even start to have an impact or make a difference. Mm. Whereas in the SME world, you're talking to that decision maker, the one that holds the purse strings. Yeah. Yep, let's make that happen. You know, you do, we don't have to go through eight layers of approval and all different forms that have got to be signed <clears throat> off. You just don't go through that. And for me, just that agility, and I think this is yeah. where SMEs don't realise, compared to the corporate world, 
to massively to your advantage is that ability to be agile yes. that you can move and change to the market demands and needs so mm. much quicker mm. corporate world trying to arrange interviews you know there might be three stages you've got several managers yeah. that got to get involved yeah. get their diaries together yeah. whereas like a candidate i want to get interviewed can you guys see a friday yeah get it booked in yeah. great as simple as that rather than a we can't get all our diaries together for another three yeah. weeks candidates gone and they yeah. wonder why so yeah. And you just overthink everything. Mm. I think you just have to be comfortable with, do you know what, we're going to make a decision. It may be right, it may be wrong, but we've done as much due diligence as we can. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to go with your gut, yeah. don't you? And I've all, I was told years ago, you know, in HR, never listen to your gut. Absolutely listen to your gut. Yeah. I always do. But yeah. how do you quantify that gut feeling? Yes. So what makes you prefer that person over the other person yes. and it's it's almost kind of you know almost rubber stamping that gut feeling yes. and using different things that help you do that but yeah. I always tell everyone else to do that but I'm not very good at doing that myself <laughs> no no I know what you mean so what has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from it oh biggest failure really good question I don't know I think when I started out kind of networking, I think, not necessarily called it a failure, but I just I just entered a world I had no idea about. So it turns up to a virtual meeting, you've got to do a 60 second pitch, oh, a 60 second yeah, what? Yeah, and I just, nice. I just remember the ground opening me up and swallowing me up. Yeah. And I just thought, I can't do this again. Yeah. Can I find another way to do it? Can I find one where I don't have to do a pitch? I don't have to talk about me. Yeah. And I think it was... I think that's the thing I found the real hardest to start in the business was just to try and find what worked for me mm. uh, because I just I got to the point where I was trying so many and I just couldn't find anything that really connected with me that I enjoyed yeah. but I knew I had to do it. it it started to feel like a necessary evil yes. and I didn't want it to feel like that I wanted to enjoy what I was doing yeah. so absolutely have done loads I've dive bombed they've been awful I've come off them and thought oh my god what did I speak about there I didn't make any sense I forgot to mention this I forgot to yeah. mention that yeah. I forgot to ask this person this I forgot to connect with that person yeah. forgot to write that information down forgot to download the zoom chats so I have now got the details of everybody on the call yeah. so all of those things were they're kind of like little failures along the way I suppose yeah. and for me it's been finding that we go back to talking about the village the tribe it was about finding that network tribe for me so yeah. lots of trial and error along the way mm. um, and I think I've had to find what I like rather than people making suggestions I've tried everything so I've tried mm. all the different sort of subscription models the the casual informal ones online face-to-face -face, so I can make up my own decision mm. so loads of people up front were giving me lots of advice and decision don't try this because of that don't do this right. because of this and I just thought no, I can't take what you're telling me. I need no. to find out for myself. No, it's like and chemistry with people. You know, although it might look good on, on paper, yeah. it doesn't necessarily yeah. work yeah. in real life, does it? And absolutely, some of them were dive bombs. And I walked away from thinking, that was a total waste of my time. I'm not going to get those couple of hours back. Right. But now I know not to do that one again. Yes. Or I know it's not for me. They're not, they're not, we just don't connect. We don't gel. You know, no. that's been really important for me, especially because I'm, now I enjoy networking and I wanted to be in that place yeah I just think it takes a lot of trial and error to get there and I wonder actually if you revisited not all of them but some of the networking that you did initially you probably would enjoy them more now so yeah. I know when I first started doing it I definitely wasn't being me I was being a version of me that I thought people would want mm. So Absolutely. they've got a view of an accountant. Mm. Well, this mm. is this is my accountant persona, and actually, people see through it really quickly mm. that you're being insincere. Mm. But you have to be comfortable enough with yourself and your business, and all almost have it proved to you by by having your first clients mm. that actually, yeah. I am good enough. Yeah. And that's a really good tip, actually. I've not thought about that, that maybe some of those are absolutely, I thought, oh my God, what have I done? Or I was absolutely awful on that networking event. Maybe I should go back and revisit them and actually see if I have, I mean, I have a yeah, different experience. Not all of them. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, some of them you just know as a gut yeah. feel, you know, that's not for me. But, yeah, it'd be interesting, wouldn't it, to show up again? Yeah. Because when I started out, it was only, because it was during COVID, networking was only still virtual for me. 
so yeah. it was good well we ended up it was a couple of months then later before it was kind of then face to face but then everybody was quite anxious and there wasn't huge volumes of people yeah. at events as people were telling me that were prior pre-covid and then we got the kind of you know the wobbles again at christmas with that covid right. in, in 2021 yeah. and almost i would say then i i probably didn't so i started launching september 21 i probably didn't fully get into face-to-face network until probably the march 2022 so March last year was really probably the first time I got into the swing of doing the the face-to-face as well and I've not looked back no I couldn't I struggle with online Mm. anyway it's got its pros and cons it's okay like it was a tool but I would much rather see someone yeah I mean it's definitely for me it's got advantages in terms of that time efficiency I've I still win work off online networking events and I like the ones where it complements the face-to-face as well yeah so you see the people online you see them face-to-face and it's just that real nice connection that yeah. oh yeah I met you in a breakout room last week and actually finally seeing the person we kind of laugh and joke about how tall how little you are or yes. you know all of those kind of fun things it kind yeah. of it's a nice icebreaker as, as well yes. when you meet someone for the first time that yeah. you've already met them probably at a virtual event and yeah. that was what was maybe a little bit easier for me that most when I went to a lot of networking events I'd met quite a lot of people already online so okay. I felt like I knew them yeah um, whereas so I had gone into them when yeah. you walked into the room whereas I think yeah. I, if I'd gone straight into face-to-face networking yeah. from leaving the corporate world into that I think oh my god I just I might not be sitting here now um, it would have been a very very different experience so yes. I actually count myself quite lucky that I had I kind of feel like an, a, a slow ease into networking yeah. by doing it mostly virtual when I started out. Mm. So what was your biggest success? Biggest success? Oh, gosh. I've got to say, however cliche it may sound, <laughs> is winning my first client. Yeah. And I think I literally come off the phone to them. I was in, I was at home on my own, and I just burst into tears. I was like a proper big girl. And I just... It was so emotional. I think all that hard work you put yes. in... And because I'd set myself that goal of, right, I'm not going to worry about getting clients in the first four months, take some pressure off, just enjoy the journey. Yeah. The fact that I won them in my first month and from LinkedIn, it was like a, a double whammy. It was like, oh, well, this is awesome. It actually, it does work. All yes. the things people have been telling me, yeah. it, it's happened. Now I just need to get more of them. <laughs> so for me, that was definitely the start of the journey. And that real confident boost, yes. I think, that you need that, that, that endorsement, on. isn't yeah. it? That actually someone can see some Someone's value. Pay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely say, it might, it's, for me, it's, small, it's something small, but so, so significant and something I don't think I'll ever forget that feeling. Yeah. We still get that feeling now, actually, to a certain extent. Every time I still get one. I don't don't burst into tears every time now. (laughs) But I definitely get that excited feeling. Oh, my God, yes, I've done it. And, oh, I didn't think they were going to go for that. And they did. And, yeah, so, yeah, still get that great feeling when you win a new client. It's brilliant. Yeah. So what's the one thing your business did that you didn't expect it to do? Wow, that's a really good question. I think for me, it's definitely how how it's starting to morph. So, you know, I never intended to employ people. I now have a HR administrator and HR advisor supporting me, which is great. It's enabled me to grow kind of the retainer arm of the business. But also, earlier this year, I've launched kind of a sister brand to House of HR, which is House of Coaching. I'd never imagined that a year ago, even maybe six months ago, maybe four months ago. I'd never imagined that. And it's now kind of a, a complement to the development training that we do in House of HR that actually supporting people with executive leadership and career coaching. Right. So typically supporting organ managers who either new to management or you're progressing from a manager to a director mm. or you're a director and you either haven't got a leadership team or you have and it's actually them that's the issue mm. there isn't a course you can kind of take off the shelf to deal with some of those challenges so actually executive coaching is a program to kind of help you kind of unlock your potential most of have us have the answers within mm. so the the joy of executive coaching is getting those answers out of you so typically that kind of takes like a six month program of working with somebody on that journey right. and now for me and I was successful in getting a business grant last year that's helped me study for accreditation in executive coaching mm. so I can rubber stamp so people know it's an unregulated industry that you know mm. I've got the accreditation I abide by code of ethics I belong to the professional bodies I do my continual professional development all that lovely stuff and I think a lot of that comes from my corporate world of that credibility and if Mm. anything it was more so for me 
wanting that for my own reassurance but also you know it works equally well with SMEs individuals but also the calling back to the corporate world as well so it opens up a much wider scope of work for me with the house of coaching brand as well so is that because that's a passion of yours you you just love doing it Mm. absolutely and I would say for about I suppose the last 12 years of my corporate career, I sort of reported into managing directors of, of organisations. And I I think because of being in the role of HR, you naturally became their confidant. So mm. whether that was about professional, personal, they would disclose a lot to you that yeah. other people in the organisation and their leadership team would not know. Yeah. Or if they had issues with their leadership team, they would you know disclose those things to me. So I felt like I had a real informal kind of coaching role. Right. And I thought... I love doing all of that stuff, mm. but I need to kind of formalize it and learn some real more tools around it and get much more out of it. Mm. So I feel like if I hadn't done this, I would have felt like a little bit like a fraud that, okay, I've got the experience, but I kind of feel I haven't got the, you know, some of the real great tools that are out there in my toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas now I absolutely feel that toolbox is jammed and overflowing. Right. And now I feel that I can utilize that skill so much more mm. having gone through the training that I'm still doing at the moment and hopefully fingers crossed we'll finish in October mm. just to reassure clients that you know it's like you know counseling is an unregulated industry mm. executive coaching is unregulated and I want clients to know I've been through really rigorous training over yeah. kind of a year 18 months yeah. and I've got to abide by so many things yes. to maintain that accreditation yeah. and I think the interesting thing for me is in the SME world I never ever heard of business coaches mm. until 18 months ago and you know there's lots of business coaches out there or you know I'd probably say sort of business advisors and mentors and they hold a different space yeah absolutely that's not what I do if anything I have those people helping me and supporting me on my journey but I'm there to help somebody in the organization who is transitioning or have challenges with their personal development as a manager as a director so Mm. it's very much about personal development coaching it's not the space of business coaching at all and I think trying to portray that message as being a real challenge so Mm. I kind of feel now it's like my little bit of mission Mm. to kind of educate you know not the whole world because that's a bit ambitious (laughs) but certainly the SME world that there is a different element of coaching out there executive coaching actually it might not Mm. be for you business owner MD it might be somebody in your team that's struggling maybe they used to manage that team of peers now managing that they've got that struggle of you know they've suddenly stepped up into that new position there isn't going to be a course for them to go on that's going to help them with some of those challenges, but they've got a safe space, confidential with me, that they can talk about those, they can, you know, come out of the comfort zone, thinks of ways of, you know, mm. developing and addressing those things and how to go about it and be successful mm. and ultimately just be accountable to themselves. You know, they're mm. not going to be accountable to me. Yeah. They come up with the actions. If they do them, great, that's brilliant. If they don't, that's down to them. It's yeah. them that own that part of their development journey. And it's very much a it complements other things you do in an organization yeah, as well I was so. going to say that so it it can it kind of fits in doesn't it with mm. the HR we yeah. we do that a bit with the the finance and actually the it's really interesting the the relationship that you have with clients just moves to a completely different mm. level yeah and makes the work so much more rewarding actually yeah because you really get to know them don't you yeah. and you know I had a client yesterday saying to me don't forget you're part of our team and when we have our next outing you're coming oh, with us <laughs> absolutely count me in I'm there you know yeah. party time central and because you haven't necessarily got that social interaction and connection when you're working on your own that no. you I end up feeling like part of like loads of different teams and yes. loads of different cool businesses yeah. and I kind of you know and that for me for them to feel like that yeah. that actually I yeah, walked away from amazing. that call thinking do you know yeah. what that's that's so cool that they feel like that about me that I'm part of their team and I never thought I'd get to feel like that but it's such a lovely feeling it's a two-way street Mm. so I would imagine you're as invested in them aren't you absolutely they're like my little babies I want to make sure you know that they you know they grow and develop in the way and you know and most of them have got really great ambitions and be able to support them on that journey and seeing them grow and evolve and they're thinking around yeah. how to do things and sometimes they reach out to me and ask me random things about do I know xyz about something complete like social media and I think yeah. 
no, absolutely not, but I know somebody who yes. can. And, and be able to kind yeah. of then pass that on yeah. is a really lovely feeling as well. Yeah. I really enjoy that where I can think, yeah, I know somebody really awesome or I know yeah. several you know, people that you should maybe reach out to and see who you, you connect with. Yeah. So that whole kind of referral world yes. is one that's still unravelling for me, but really enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. So who's been your most important professional mentor and what have you learned from them? Gosh, I mean, certainly I've had quite a few in the corporate world and my first ever manager, I say absolutely, was the one who instilled the passion I had for HR just and enabled that to flourish mm-hmm. and just chucked me in the deep end constantly without my water wings mm-hmm. and that's how I survived and learned. And I think I've done that in running my own business as well. I tend to chuck myself in the deep end and hope yeah. that I can doggy paddle my way along with some yeah. of it. But I certainly think I've kind of created more of an informal network now as a business owner okay. of kind of those, a number of different people from different experiences and backgrounds, different evolutions of their journey yeah. that I reach out to. So that yeah. rather than rely on just maybe one person, I've got several people that I go to different needs. So one that I might kind of, I'm having a bit of a crappy day, so I want to laugh and a joke with them or just yeah. to, you know, vent about something. I know they'll just give me that space to do it. Or one that, you know, I actually maybe need some help on kind of my marketing and I've been looking at XYZ. What do you think of that? How mm. does that sound? Can I try some, an idea out on you? So it's having those different people that bring different things to the table for me. Yeah. And like I say, really important for me that they've been at different stages of that evolution, mm. that they all bring something different to the table. Mm. So what has been your happiest time? And this is a harder question. Are you happy now? My happiest time, oh gosh, I, if, do you know what, it, it feels like I have it kind of every day, but the absolutely happiest was a couple of weeks ago, we got announced as the HR Consultancy of the Year in East Midlands, oh, in the wow. UK Enterprise Awards. Yeah, so that was, I, when I got the email through, I kind of had to do a double take, and I thought, have I read that right? oh, I don't know, or have I? And I had to kind of go away, come back to it and read it again and think, wow. oh my God, that actually is real. So I had to screenshot yeah. it, send to my husband. Yeah. Oh my God, look at this, this is so yeah. exciting. So really, really chuffed and getting that, that recognition as well was really, really great. But for me, I would say... In, with the house of coaching, everything else I experience, I mean, like we said in the introduction, you know, I do trustee work with the local food bank in Toaster. Mm-hmm. I do careers advisor with the, the school in Toaster, helping with their kind of career strategy for the future workforce. And then I'm a non-executive director for the Chamber of Commerce in Northamptonshire, Milton Keynes. And people say to me, how do you find the time to do everything? I'm like, I make it happen because one of the big things for me about running my own business, which I never, ever got in the corporate world, mm. was I love giving back. Mm. And I now... So Fridays will tend to be that day for me okay. that I try and put that time aside, that I actually do some good and I give back to my local community, whether that is my future workforce, whether that is local businesses, people in crisis, any way that I can help and support. Mm. That's you know, a really, really important value to me. And I would not want to change that. And I know if I went back to the corporate world, I probably wouldn't be able to continue with a lot of that activities. But some of those things might be just it's something I do once a month. Yeah. Or the meetings, often, lots of the meetings I do are in evenings. Mm. And they might be once a month or they might be once a quarter. Mm. So they don't have a huge, huge impact on the day-to-day running of my business. It's not no. as if I'm doing all that stuff during the day. absolutely not it sits outside of my my business even the study I do at the moment Saturdays is my time to head down because I can't study in between doing bits and pieces of work or networking I dedicated yeah I can't dip in and out like a half an hour here an hour there no No. I need to study like five hours head down crack on with it so I try to build those and I know it's not forever I know it's till about October so I know there's an end in sight for me and that's my goal so for me you know still running the day-to-day business is critical you know Mondays is my kind of admin marketing catch-up days Mm. Tuesday Wednesday Thursday full-on with clients doing a lot of work Friday Mm. still client work as well but it'll be where I kind of if I if it's kind of one of my giving back days Mm. I kind of schedule that at least once a month so for me I just find the time to make it work and I love it if I didn't if it was so time consuming and sapped lots of energy out of me it doesn't because I learn so much from it and a lot of it does actually ground me and I feel that sometimes you just need that reminding that when especially when in your own business you think things are you know you can be if you love what you do it doesn't feel like work 
No. And do you know, and that's the wonderful thing. None of it does. Half the time, I think, especially, I spend far too much time on Canva. <laughs> I spend far too much time thinking, oh, how can I, you know, get pink into this? Or how can I get green into there? And I spend far too much time doing that stuff. But it is, it's fun just immersing yourself in the things that you like, but having to remember yeah. that I've got to do some of the stuff I don't like as well, <laughs> i.e. finance <laughs> and spreadsheets. So if you had to describe yourself in three words, what would they be? And would your friends agree with those words? Oh my God, you could have given this one to me beforehand. I'd like to say fun. I like to have a laugh and a joke. Often usually maybe at my friend's expense, but I have quite a dry sense of humour. So I find when people kind of just first meet me, I think they kind of sometimes take me a little bit too seriously. Yeah. And I sometimes have to put a little caveat. I was only joking. <laughs> and usually, and I'll send myself up, and I, and I often will do. And yeah. I kind of just, it's just a bit of fun. And it's try to show people, you know, that, you know, don't, because you're HR, people kind of think, oh, you know, got to watch my, my yes. pews, uh, teas, P's and Q's, P's and Q's <laughs> around you. Yeah. Absolutely you don't. If yeah. you cut me up and, and when I'm driving on the motorway, you definitely know that I don't worry about that. Yeah. So for me, definitely fun. I would definitely say caring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd always, I like to support other people. I don't put myself first. Okay. And, I, and I should do more of that. The self-care I talk a lot about. I try to do that, but I don't do as enough as what I should. Because I, I really generally care about a lot of other people, whether that's family, friends, neighbours, but also the businesses I look after and the clients yeah. generally care about them mm. and want to pe- see people do well and be happy in what they do. Mm. You know, And it gets me down when people are not in that good space and no. what can I do to, to help yeah. them get out of that. Yeah. And I don't have a magic wand for everybody, but you know, some of that empathy and compassion support you can give people mm. can go a long way because I know people have done that for me yeah. and sometimes it's those small things that can make an absolute big difference I to mean, people. I mean, sometimes it's even giving them the space to be able to offload yeah and that's enough isn't it yeah and I would definitely say my last one has got to be perfectionist <laughs> and if you see how much time I spend on Canva you wouldn't understand why <laughs> because I think I just I'm so I love what I do so much that I want to do such a good job over it yeah. so I think sometimes I will over procrastinate on things that probably really don't need it okay. so my a LinkedIn post I might write something in five minutes goes out there and it goes wild everybody loves it yeah. another one I could spend days preparing it weeks preparing it yeah. and it just flops yeah. and so sometimes for me it's trying to find that right balance of you know where do I actually spend the time in the you know does just give in 60% of your effort do yeah. or actually that does require 110% and I would yeah. say when it comes to clients it's that 110% but sometimes when I'm doing some of the own things my own business does it need that 110% of me? Yeah. A lot of the time it doesn't. Yeah. I think it does. Yeah. But a lot of the time it doesn't need it's it. It's quite hard though if you're that type of person just to go, oh, that will do. And switch off, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I think it would be that will do. And the following day I'll go to it and think, no, I'll start tweaking around <laughs> again. No, stop, stop. Park it, just leave it. Or sometimes what I'll do is I'll just get my husband to read something and say, does that make sense? Because he doesn't have a HR background, doesn't run his own business. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand my message, what I'm trying to get across? Yeah. If he says yes, then I know it's okay. If he says, yeah. I haven't got a clue what you're going on about, I think, oh my God, I'm going to have to rework again. that again. Yeah. Or I just completely scrap it. So yeah, yeah that's yeah. definitely something that I, I need to get better at managing. <laughs> and what would you like to leave behind as your business legacy? Just that HR can be fun that you can you know going to work we spend most of our lives at work Mm. so let's make sure it's a fun place to be that Mm. people love it they enjoy it they skip going to work that would be really nice I could see the whole nation skipping to work I know that's not going to be a reality (laughs) but that generally people know that work can be a great place to be and I would love to you know I've had those moments where I've worked in companies and I've 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 not wanted to get out of bed. I've hated it. You know, you have those Sunday evening blues and I've never had those in running my own business. No. And and I just hope that there's other people out there that don't have to suffer those yeah. forevermore. Life's too short. It is. It? And that's why I think for me that, you know, if you can just make sure employees have a great experience at work, work why, how, why is that so difficult? Why is that so hard? Mm. When actually we spend so much time, we spend more time with those people we work with than necessarily our own family. And so for me, that's really important that, mm. you know, that element is, is there for, for people. Right, Rachel, I don't know how this is going to go, but this is a new thing that we're trying. So, 
Okay, so I've got four cards here mm. with four different questions. So if you'd like to choose Ooh, okay. which one you'd like to answer and then I'll do the same. Oh my goodness, wow. <laughs> Don't leave me really hard Yeah, ones. right, let's pick really the horrible or awful one. <laughs> and we'll see oh, what okay. happens. Yeah, there's some really cool ones there actually. Okay. So I'm going to go with this one. Okay. Written by Lewis Howes. I don't know who that is, no, whether I'm I should. Sure. No, Maybe I'm too old. I don't know. Afterwards. Definitely. <laughs> so the question is How much do you accept yourself, have positive thoughts about yourself, have healed your wounds, and fully love who you are authentically? That's a big wow. And I think it comes back to what we talked about earlier around, for me, definitely my journey is about that being your authentic self mm. because I, I boxed that up for 23 years and I'm still only on that journey now of un, yeah. unboxing, unpackaging that. And like I say, you know, recently sharing, you know, a lot of my thoughts and my blogs and posts around the, the, to, the taboo of tattoos and definitely the experience I had personally sort of 26 years ago of being called a, a whore because I had tattoos. Oh. Yeah. And so, you know, so I've come from some really dark places with Gosh. some of that stuff. And I feel that I've never, I've always held back my true character in HR because yeah. I think because we've been seen as the, the the internal police that we've got to set this high example and set this high bar for ourselves to yeah. you know we're all the ones that are always perfect and wonderful and don't do anything wrong absolutely we do but I'm somebody that I still don't have a social media pres- presence personally so you won't find no. me on Facebook you won't find me on Instagram because no. it's been embedded in me from my HR career that you know I've sacked too many people for the things they post on there but I, I'm definitely more open and kind of my business pages my own LinkedIn my my sort of Instagram stuff that I post as well for House of HR and House of Coaching mm. you'll start to see a little bit more of me but I think you've definitely if you meet me networking in person I definitely like to think you know the authentic me mm. uh, definitely don't think I, I cover that up though I might in terms of clothes and my tattoos let's wait till we have some summer networking so yeah I think it's for me I think there's still wounds there along along the way that I'd need to kind of heal but I think that just is, for me is going to come with time as I grow with more confidence of people accepting me for who I am and the way that I am and the things I like the things I don't like the things I write about the things I don't write about mm. and I think for me it's starting to sort of really open up and you know play around with some of those ideas of how much of me do I want to show do I need to show okay. but definitely I'm definitely on that journey at the moment and it's been okay. it's been an interesting journey but we'll we'll see how it goes there's definitely still some more healing to do I'd say okay so you're still you still sort of gauge an event or where you're going to see people and you okay especially if I've not been before especially okay. if I think because I'll always even now you know if I go to a network event that I go to regularly I always get kind of quite worked up get quite anxious think yeah. who do I know who's going who's going to be there when I walk in the room will I be able to spot them straight away right. you know my little comfort blankets which yeah. the whole point is trying to meet new people but you know definitely for me I think people think on the outside I'm quite a confident person yes. but I would say probably naturally I'm probably definitely more the introvert right. so for me it's definitely a mask I have to put on okay. and that's why I'll be really exhausted after networking yeah. events because yeah. yeah I can be that confident person in the room but I've, mm. I've dug deep to get those behaviours to help me be yes. that um, yeah. but then when I get back home I definitely pack them back, a, back away for another mm. day but I definitely feel for me it's it's still a confidence building as a SME business owner you know you always kind of think oh I still am I still a fraud yeah no actually I do run a business yeah I am a managing director mm. yeah and all that reality check you keep having to have yes. with yourself but yeah. yeah definitely if it's I've not been to before and don't know people there mm. I would definitely hold back on maybe the full me you'd get a maybe an abridged version of yeah. me till I suss yeah. it out and think well can I have a laugh and a joke because often people will say oh, you yeah. can't say that you're in HR yeah. oh, can I have a sense of humour as well and yes. that's why I say it. my, yeah. my humour usually is somebody usually quite dry and I usually mm. have to tag on the end I was only joking because you kind of see people's look on their face and you think okay they've not got that one that's where messaging is helpful with an emoji at the end isn't it absolutely yeah and and if you if you read my LinkedIn post I'm absolutely emoji queen you either love or hate them I absolutely love them because that's where I think you know I'll have my silly faces and stuff because it's like yeah I'm not being serious guys come on you know And, and sometimes you get people commenting and I think 
I wasn't being serious. It was kind of meant as a bit of a joke. Yeah. And I kind of think, how do I put that across lightly without them feeling bad about yes. it as well? So I'm yeah. very sensitive to how other people will feel. And even if you get those keyboard warriors that say the things that may upset you at times, and they do, mm. I kind of think, well, okay, why do you feel like that? Mm. I mean, I'd like to understand more. You know, So when I kind of do question that back and try and do it in a constructive way, they go dead silent. So I'm not sure if other people have had that experience as well, but, you know, the keyboard warriors are out there, and when you try, I don't shoot them down, I, I want to know why you feel like that. Yeah, and it's if, the best way, I yeah, think, isn't it? Absolutely. And But I think sometimes I've let that get me down too much. It's so funny, isn't it? Because if you met those same people face-to-face, they wouldn't say, they wouldn't dream of writing I know, the same but comments. what really shocks me is on LinkedIn, I sort of think, well, your colleagues, your manager, your organisation yeah. can see what you've written yeah. and how the hell are you getting away with that? And, mm. you know, and you're hiding behind, you know, things, you know, where's the picture of you so I can comment on, on you and how you maybe look. Mm. I'm not going to do that. I'm not that type of person. But I do think to myself, you know, it's where about the people that care care yeah. about you, the people yeah. you like with, the people that, you know, support you on your journey yeah. and generally do that you're going to get keyboard warriors in every form of life and every social media platform. And I know that's not easy always to ignore. And mm. I've certainly been hurt by that. And mm. sometimes had you know dark days where I've kind of been really affected by that. And right. I'll just go into those modes where I don't want to speak to anybody. I don't want to see anybody. I just want to get my head down, get on my work and almost think, right, okay, I'm not even going to look at social media today. But, you know, they're few and far between, thankfully. Mm. Mm. Good. Okay, so a question for me. When it gets all too dark, it's from James Bay. I have heard oh, him. Absolutely, okay. I have. So when it all gets too dark, what helps you find the light? Wow. So I've been doing a bit of work on this, actually, on myself the last few months. The things that help me, I definitely have a group. Again, it's that village thing, isn't it? Mm. But I have a group of go-to people that I know I can say anything to and they will... And they will be honest back at me. And sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm not rational with what I think. I'm mm. so caught up in the moment. And then I need someone else to reflect it back and say, I don't, you know, that's, that's not right, is yeah. it? What other things do I like? Really like music. So that just instantly lifts my mood. Mm-hmm. Listening to the music that I love. And it's quite diverse and isn't always appreciated in the office actually, I was going to say sadly. do you have a genre, genre that you prefer <laughs> so not really no so it will go from I love the musicals I love Michael Ball oh my goodness we would be oh we would actually be singing our hearts off then if I was with you because <laughs> I'm such a musicals fan yeah I love it love George Michael love all the songs from the sort of the, the 90s dance just yeah. because it, the, the thing with music it transports you to a, a moment in time yeah. doesn't it and that's Absolutely. what I love and just makes me smile so I'm listening actually to podcasts and audiobooks now I really enjoy doing that so I enjoy whereas when I was younger I got I guess I got my light from other people mm. sounds really cheesy now I can find the light within like I can find I can find joy in my own company now the yeah. way that I didn't used to be able to yeah absolutely and I, I would agree with you that on that you know I'm I'm quite happy with my own company and I, mm. I talk to myself quite often but talking about audiobooks I've only got into that recently yeah. and I think it's because I was an absolute bookworm and I just think that for a number of years I've just probably not read as much you know I've got a Kindle to try and make sure I try and read some more and just never got round to it mm. but because time is always so much a pressure yeah. like actually if I just go for a walk and I'm listening yeah, to a book now and perfect. I think oh my god I can get through so yes. many more books now yeah. and if you'd said to me a couple of years ago yeah because it took me forever to get to a Kindle because when I was a, a student well my first job when I was 15 was working for Waterstones and right. I worked with them for four years so I was a proper proper bookworm yeah. so I wouldn't I refused a Kindle for many many years <laughs> against you know printed paper and all of that now the fact them onto audible it's like it's changed it completely for me it really has and i particularly like the stephen fry books and his voice absolutely makes it for me actually much better than me trying to read it myself yeah absolutely no it's great tip and i think you know for me it's everyone needs to find their little way of doing it and what works for them sometimes you know you sort of have trial and errors don't you to find what works for you yeah you do well that's it so thank you Rachel what a really really interesting conversation thank you for having me it's so nice having you today thank you so much I really enjoyed it thank you
If you've enjoyed listening to our podcast, please like and follow and make sure to tag us on social media.